0: You don't coach not to lose in this game. It doesn't work. It's never worked. It's never going to work. And throw out everything else that happened in that game and all the other questionable things that happened. You know, and I know some people are going to say it's easy to Monday morning quarterback and say, oh, you should have gone for that one. Analytically, it probably was the correct thing to kick that field goal at the end of the game there. But here's here's the reality of that situation. The analytics eliminate the human element and they can only take you so far. Data is data. That's just all it is. There is there's is no there's no nuance beyond that whatsoever. And in this particular case. One, the Giants had Saquon Barkley, who had 128 yards on the game. Granted, he was averaging less than four yards per carry, but there were no negative runs. Okay, so that's the first thing. There were no real negative runs in the game. Uh, The second thing is, is your kicker who had already missed one and had struggled going in that direction in warmups is on a bulky, swollen knee that requires surgery. And I know Ganoz has said there's no excuses. I got to make that kick. Okay, that's fine, but your coach has got to recognize the fact that you are struggling, that you're hurt, that you're missing field goals at almost a remarkable clip this year when you're otherwise automatic, and that you're on a knee that requires surgery.
1: Hey there, everyone. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, along with my good friend, Dan Benton. This is the Giants Wire podcast, brought to you by the USA Today Network, and you can consume this show however you get your podcast. We're available on every platform. So if you could subscribe, leave a review, tell a friend, all that. Tell a family member if you like the show. That's how you could support us, and we do appreciate you. How you doing, Dan, this week?
0: Oh, it's it's nice, you know. Halloween was enjoyable. It's a little flurrying out there this morning. The Rangers are exciting. Um, is there something else going on? Something else we got to talk about? I, I, I
1: don't remember. Yeah, your football team. Sorry, Dan. I know it's, oh, a, it's a tough that's, subject.
0: That's right. Those guys. Uh,
1: it's just a blank in my mind there for a second. That, um, that was one of the ugliest games, uh, I think, in NFL history, Giants Jets Week Eight—that was that was tough. That
0: was uh, that was tough. I think that was one of the most ugly displays of uh, quote unquote football that I've probably ever seen. Uh, <laughs> which is ironic because the game itself was entertaining until the end, even though it was absolutely horribly played. Uh, but that—if that's not a microcosm of the Giants' season—I certainly don't know what is.
1: Yeah. Now, as, as a Patriots fan who has seen some ugly football this year. Uh, that was pretty bad. Giants, Jets, that was pretty bad. We'll be getting into it. But I want to jump off first with the trade deadline. The The Giants didn't make any huge moves on, on Tuesday, Dan, but they did make a move to kind of kick things off on Monday where they sell off Leonard Williams for uh, a second round pick in 2024 and a fifth rounder in 2025 from Seattle, which I think value-wise, exceptional. Right, Dan, I'm, I'm interested to get your commentary on this. I think Giants fans love Leonard Williams. Good player. I know the players love him. He, he's a he's a big figure in the Giants locker room, all that. But in terms of the value, when you especially when you look at what happened on Tuesday with what the Commanders did. I mean, when you consider the Commanders trading Chase Young, a 24-year-old franchise defensive end for just a third-round pick, but the Giants the day before got a second and a fifth for Leonard Williams, who's pushing 30, that's exceptional value for the Giants. Uh, so I think... You know, we could be sad to see Lenny go, but that is—you uh, can't really hate on Joe Shane and the Giants for this move, can you?
0: No, I mean it's crazy. It's crazy what the Giants got in, in exchange for Leonard Williams. Granted, they're plenty. You know, they're basically paying the remainder of a salary with the exception of just under seven hundred thousand. But you know, so yeah, it didn't didn't help a lot in terms of the salary cap. But you know, a second round pick and a, and a fifth round pick, granted, a uh, year apart, that's more than the Giants. You know, spent to get. You know, Williams in the first place. And as you said, it, you know, was a better return than, you know, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, some other players that have been traded around the league. It was, it was a remarkable, a remarkable return. Obviously, the Seahawks were desperate. Um, it, it's both good and bad, though. I mean, obviously, it's it's great to get that draft capital, especially when you see how devoid of talent this team is up and down the roster. They need as many picks as they can get. But it is going to have an unfortunate negative impact on the locker room. You know, that was one of, you know, the guy's favorite, you know, one of the favorite guys in the locker room, you know, he was a team captain. He's uh, Dexter Lawrence's best friend. Those two are, like, extremely close friends. So, you know, that probably is going to have a negative impact on on big decks. Um, it leaves kind of a big hole in the middle of their defensive line now. Uh, you know, he was playing a significant amount of snaps just as he did last year. So now the Giants are going to have to scurry to, to replace that. It's not like they're, you know, going on any kind of playoff run or anything at this point. But still, you know they struggled against the run as it was. And now that, you know, has the potential to get a little bit worse. So it could get a little bit uglier for the defense this season, which is a negative mark on Wink Martindale, which obviously is not necessarily his fault that this happened. But again, you, you just can't scoff at the at the reality that they they pulled off such a, a remarkable trade and got such a great call um, in return for Leonard Williams. So that's, you know, that's obviously a positive. And if, seattle doesn't you know sign up to any kind of extension or anything like that by the end of the year that could he could always circle back and come back to the giants although i don't really think that that was necessarily ever in the cards in the first place so it is kind of a somber goodbye to leonard williams who i personally thought was a very good giant a really good guy someone great in the community just a just a you know a lovable guy in the locker room and it, it does kind of suck to to have to say goodbye to him
1: yeah it does and i know I, i've seen a lot of this like oh look at. He, he doesn't even get sacks anymore. Like, he's not a big sack guy. It's a great move for the Giants. But he's been a good pressure guy. I thought he was actually, he might have had his best game of the season against the Jets. He was all over the place. And that yeah, he,
0: he played well. But, uh, you know, again, with the whole oh, he's
1: not getting his sacks
0: thing, I, I think that whole argument is, is sort of foolish because you see it right now with Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, and I, I that it's sort of apples and oranges, but last year with Kayvon, it was, this guy just doesn't get the, you know, the sack numbers. He's kind of a bust. Now he's getting the sack numbers. And it's like, Oh, well, the sacks are just one number. It's like, you know, you you can't please everybody. And that's sort of what it was with, with Leonard Williams, Uh, his role changed uh, with Wink Martindale. And, you know, you've heard Dexter Lawrence talk about it. Some players, get more favorable roles in the offense, but, or in the defense, but Leonard Williams was a selfless player and he he's allowed other guys to sort of excel in different areas where he would have racked up the sacks and these numbers and things like that. He still played very well within the role that he was given. And it was his selflessness that allowed Dexter Lawrence to take the step that he's taken as a dominant interior defender. So, you know, you can, you can look at the sacks and say, Oh, the giants weren't giving up that much that's in my opinion, it's not to insult anybody. That's a very novice take on, on what actually is going on there and what Leonard Williams meant to this team, both on the field and off the field. And, you know, like I said, you can't please everybody. There's going to be those critics. Bottom line is, however, they're wrong. Um, you know, it's not that easy to replace Leonard Williams. Um, you know, he didn't have these huge box score numbers because that's not the role that he's been put in this year or was put in this year. And, um, You know, whether or not anybody wants to admit it, he was playing well within the role, within the confines of the role, which was somewhat handcuffed for him. But again, he never complained. He never whined. He just did what he had to do to help the team on the defensive side of the ball. And if you've been watching this defense over the past four weeks, Leonard Williams was very much a part of why it was so successful.
1: 100 percent. And sometimes a guy like Williams will do his job well to open up things for guys like Kayvon Thibodeau to get those box score stats. Right, Dan, that's kind of how it works sometimes, especially the defensive. That line. is yep. yep. That's it. That is, you
0: know, listen, you, you know, any chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And, and and Leonard Williams was not a weak link by any stretch of the imagination. And I, I do hate for him to see that level of criticism, but, you know, some people will watch the box score. And even when you fill the box score, like Kayvon Thibodeau is, they'll find other reasons to complain and, and diminish the accomplishments of a certain player. Because once that narrative is created, You know within a subset of the fan base and it doesn't necessarily have to be the Giants It could be any team and it could be any player there's just no backing off that we see that in most walks of life these days where people will just dig in their heels whether they're right or they're wrong and they'll never move off of that and for entirely too many Giants fans that was the case with Leonard Williams and I just don't agree with their with their takes.
1: Yeah that's called the take bunker Dan you get in the take bunker and you just you just battle you just battle until the end that's what that's what that is but yeah. Uh, it feels good that the Giants got, they did something at the deadline. I mean, we're we're two and six now after the, these losses to the bills now and the jets. So, um, you know, two and six make a move. Do you know, now you're, you're setting yourself up to kind of fill some of these holes on the roster. You're not gonna be able to keep all these guys. So, uh, I, I think it's good that the Giants did something brings us to this all time ugly football game though, Dan. Uh, and I know you had some beef with Brian Dayball after the Giants lost this one, you were pretty fired up. I was texting with you a little bit. Uh, even though there was some bad weather out there, and there was someone named Tommy DeVito, who admittedly I, I did not know much about um, coming into the ball game. Someone named Tom, Tommy DeVito was playing quarterback who they would not let throw, and the weather was horrible. You did have a lot of beef with, beef with Brian Dable. I think a lot of Giants fans do. What's kind of your opening take off of this, this loss of the Jets, stand?
0: You don't coach not to lose in this game. It doesn't work. It's never worked. It's never going to work. And throw out everything else that happened in that game and all the other questionable things that happened. You know, it, And I know some people are going to say it's easy to Monday morning quarterback and say, oh, you should have gone for that one. Analytically, it probably was the correct thing to kick that field goal at the end of the game there. But here's here's the reality of that situation. The analytics eliminate the human element, and they can only take you so far. Data is data. That's just all it is. There is, there is no – there's no nuance beyond that whatsoever. And in this particular case, one, the Giants had Saquon Barkley, who had 128 yards on the game. Granted, he was averaging less than four yards per carry, but there were no negative runs. Okay, so that's the first thing. There were no real negative runs in the game. Uh, The second thing is, is your kicker who had already missed one and had struggled going in that direction in warmups, is on a bulky, swollen knee that requires surgery. And I know Ganoz has said, there's no excuses. I got to make that kick. Okay, that's fine. But your coach has got to recognize the fact that you are struggling, that you're hurt, that you're missing field goals at a, almost a remarkable clip this year when you're otherwise automatic, and that you're on a knee that requires surgery. You cannot give the Jets the ball back in that situation, especially if your plan, uh, planned approach at that point is to just play you know, uh, prevent defense because it just doesn't ever work that way. So what Dayball did is he played not to lose, and as a result, he lost. And I know there are people out there who think it's blasphemy to blame any of this on Dayball whatsoever, but it's the exact opposite of what brought the Giants success last year. And I think Tennessee is the the perfect example of that. When you trust your players, you give them the ball, and you say you go win the game. So in that particular instance, and we've seen that twice now this season, once against Buffalo and now against the Jets, where Dayball, instead of trusting his players and just letting them go pick up a yard, instead relied on something else. He played not to lose. And in both cases, he lost. And, you know, if you continue to do the same thing over and over again, that's called insanity. And that's sort of where it feels like we're at right now.
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, last year. I would bring in, and you're, you've been consistent on this, Dan, because I, last year I would bring up, man, Dayball's being too aggressive. Why is he freaking out? It's like early in the third quarter, he's going forward on fourth down from his own end. It's like, what are you doing? And you'd be like, no, 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 I like being aggressive. And I'd be like, no, no, no. And we had these arguments last year about him being too aggressive. It's gone so drastically in the other way. Uh, I think part of it in this game, obviously, was that he was terrified of the quarterback that was in the game after Tyrod went down.
0: I I agree completely, but that's that's, that's a coaching problem. That's not a player problem. That's a coaching problem. Tyrod Taylor has had a history of injuries, and we'll touch on that in a second. I'm not knocking Tyrod. I actually feel very bad for him, so we'll go into that in a moment. But when you go into that game, you know you've got Daniel Jones, and there's obviously a whole lot of conspiracy surrounding that whole situation, too. Uh, But you've got Tyrod, who is playing behind a line that already got one quarterback hurt this year. And granted, they are playing a little bit better, but there was always the chance that Tyrod was going to get injured. And I hate to, like, I'm not patting myself on the back at all because I actually feel horrible about it. But prior to the game, one of my friends texted me and said, what happens if Tyrod goes out there and lights this up and beats a dominant defense? What's that going to mean for Daniel Jones? And my reply was, let's pump those brakes and just hope that Tyrod gets out of this game not injured. And, you know, he was, ob- oh, you, you know, he blamed me for that. You jinxed it. You put that course, out into yes, the what universe. You <laughs> but, you know, I went into this game thinking that myself, like Tyrod's going to get beat up and I just hope that he stays healthy. And obviously that unfortunately did not happen. So that goes back to dayball. You, you didn't have an alternative at quarterback. You had Tommy DeVito, a rookie practice squad player. who You promoted prior to the game who had to go out there and try to win against one of the league's best defenses. And if you didn't trust him to go in there and throw the ball, then you shouldn't have elevated him, and you should have found a different quarterback to go in there in the off chance, which obviously turned out to be more of a high chance, that Tyrod was forced to leave the game due to injury. So... I'm not throwing that on Tommy DeVito's shoulders. That's not his fault. That's Dayball's fault. They should have never been in that situation in the first place. So throw out the aggressiveness, aggressiveness. If you don't like that argument, well, then you can't defend the fact that he had to rely on Tommy DeVito during because of his own personnel decisions. It just it just doesn't work. It was just, it was one of many faults of Dayball's this past week. And it, it cost the team. It just cost them a win, and that's just all there is to it. And now it's the second one in almost an identical scenario that the giants have lost because of playing passive. And this time compounded by the fact that he
1: didn't trust his quarterback, his NFL quarterback to throw the ball. Yeah, it it is. It was maddening. And it's like you have, I mean, every team does this. They have these undrafted kids on their practice squad to help with the scout team. And they never want these kids to play, right? That's never part of the plan, but Yeah, he's
0: he's a develop. Yeah, they're developmental guys, and that's
1: exactly what Tommy DeVito
0: is. He's a developmental guy. Like, I understand why you know why you didn't want him to throw the ball. That that part of it, I understand. What I don't understand is why you didn't have an alternative option in that particular instance. Then, because again, that's not the quarterback's fault. He's a developmental practice squad rookie. Like, and when he did try to throw the ball on Sunday, it was very clear why (laughs) you didn't want him to throw the ball. And again, it's not knocking him. He's got a long way to go, but. The Giants should have never found themselves in that situation in the first place.
1: Yeah. When DeVito threw the ball, it looked like a guy who was trying to get a waiver in so he could go back to Illinois this year. That's what he was actually trying to do before <laughs> he was signed by the Giants uh, as an undrafted kid. He went, actually went into the draft after a waiver was declined for him to go back to Illinois. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's such a fair take. It's like, what are you doing at backup quarterback? Quarterbacks are going down all, all across the league. Every week, there's more quarterbacks going down. Tyrod has not had the best luck in his career. Uh, you're going; It's a weather game. You're going against a ferocious Jets defense. Tyrod using his legs was probably going to be a part of this. There was a chance that Tyrod could get banged up, knocked out of this game. Your plan was Tommy DeVito, at, at backup quarterback, who you weren't going to let throw against the Jets. Uh, it's it's definitely uh, a head scratcher. It's one you could definitely put on day ball in the Giants, their personnel department. What was the plan at backup quarterback? Got to be better than that. You got to have an actual backup quarterback there that could help you win the game. The Giants didn't do that. It brings us to fourth and one. I think this is the big topic uh, that people are debating with Dayball, this decision, Dan. He kind of stood at the podium and said, look, (laughs) I'm paraphrasing, but he said, look, we were two for 19 on third down. Again, I'm paraphrasing, and our quarterback can't throw, so we're going to kick the field goal there, Uh, even with our kicker, and he's on one leg. We're going to go ahead and kick the field goal there. I, I think we can make a kick under 40 yards, whatever. That was the argument, but just the sequence before that is what I can't get over, Dan, right? There's a minute 33 left in the game when Kayvon Thibodeau sacks Zach Wilson on fourth down for a loss of 15 yards. So you get the football back that deep in Jets territory. They only have a couple timeouts left. It's like, there's no way to lose. It's like, how can you lose that game? And we could talk about the analytics and the... The probability of the giant, what was the
0: probability? 99.99 repeating percent (laughs) win probability.
1: After Kayvon Thibodeau sacked Wilson there on fourth down, there was no, there's no way you lose the game. And the Giants found a way to lose it. It's it's unbelievable to me, but they could have just went for it on fourth down, right, Dan? Fourth and one. The only thing that was working on offense was just handing it to Saquon Barkley. You could have just went for it there. uh, And, you know... Even if he he stopped, you have better field position than the missed field goal, and you might take off more time off the clock too, right? That's the argument. Dayball kind of pushed back against reporters after the game. What do you think? That is an easy second guess. The fourth and one decision to obviously kick the field goal with the with the injured kicker instead of just going for it.
0: He could, he could push back all he wants to, um, you know. And I'm not usually a fan of Monday morning quarterbacking, but in this case, there's there's no defense. There's just no defense for it. Um, and again, you know, the argument that I keep seeing is none of this matters if the kicker just makes the field goal. Well, if you're going to say what if, and what should have been, and if this, and if that, yeah, if the kicker was healthy and not on a knee that literally requires surgery right now, it actively requires surgery. It's not like a, oh, he can get it somewhere down the line. He can get it somewhere down the line, but he's going to continue to play on an injured knee until that happens. And Knowing that in a game where it's absolutely pouring and the field is slick and the ball is slick and there's a chance for a bad snap, which, by the way, the laces were out on that field goal. So there was an error in the in the execution on that play on top of everything else. So it was really a case of Murphy's Law. And I'll tell you what doesn't happen. Any of that if you just run the damn ball.
1: That's it. And it's not like gano got hurt in pregame warmups. He's been on the injury report with this knee, right? So this is another one where no, you go back yeah. and say, "What are you guys doing with your personnel on on the well, 53 think- each game?" Like this is you could have got a healthy kicker, too. Right. You know, like that's that's, that's, that's another that's, second guess.
0: That's that's context that's also missing when you say, "Well, the kicker should have just made it." The kicker's been playing hurt. The kicker missed a field goal already in the game because he was hurt. And if you go back to pregame warmups, he was missing almost everything going in that direction. So you can just, you can keep going back and compound and compound and compound the error. And you can, you know, scream from the rooftops all you want to if you're a day ball defender saying, well, all the kicker's got to do is make the field goal. It was a high probability error scenario is what it was. And they gambled on that instead of just running the dang ball. And let's be honest, if, you know, another head second, just one other second had been taken off that clock, the Giants win that game. And yeah. if, you know, you got to have the Jets go an extra 10 yards there or whatever it is, you know, maybe that that second ticks off the clock at that point, even if you're stuffed at the line and, and you don't convert that fourth down. But again, you know, I understand the whole, well, the kicker's got to make the kick thing, but there are far too many variables that were not in your favor in that moment to rely heavily on a kicker on one leg to make that kick in the pouring rain. And, and you know, we all see how it played out. You know, that's that's not Monday morning quarterback. That's just the reality of what happened there. In that moment, I would have gone for it. After that moment, I still think they should have gone for it. But that's obviously not even my only gripe with all of that. That's just my particular gripe with, with Dayball and his decision-making there. On the opposite side of that ball, too, I take issue with Adoree Jackson and some of the defenders on that play who – Immediately let the Jets wide receiver up so they could spot the ball. It's something you almost never see in those scenarios in the NFL because guys are always piling on there trying to burn that extra second. Sure. And they didn't really have to do a whole hell of a lot. They had four guys around him. Let him run around a little bit. Let him run the clock out. He's not getting into the end zone with all of you standing there. So bringing him to the ground and then immediately getting off of him that also cost the team.
1: That's a good. That's a good take actually. Yeah, just clutter that up. Bodies. Make it hard for the ref to go get the ball and touch it. You know what I mean? Like all that. Like that's kind of part of the football one-on-one there. But you know, that's a it's a situation, situational thing. Uh, so yeah, I think all this is fair. I think it's it's fair to throw heat at Dayball. I also don't think Dayball is like we're about to talk about the Raiders here. We don't want to. We don't want a situation like that. Like we don't want our team like firing the head coach or something like that. I think Dayball's a good coach. Uh, but I do think Dan he's had a little bit of a, a rough a rough patch, right? You're, you threw some stats at me, right? They he has since, since the end of last season and now this year it's it's been a little bit of a rough patch for Dayball. He's working through it a little bit, even though he was excellent with, given what the roster was last year. Uh, it, it's evening out a little bit, but I don't think he's like on the hot seat or anything. But I think it's fair to throw some heat at him and, and kind of question this stuff.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. Listen, uh, they started six and one last year. All right. And then it's steadily been downhill since then. They did pick up the playoff win against Minnesota, which it just that that win just seemed inevitable. Inevitable. It was a good matchup for the Giants last year. And they, you know, they had a lot of confidence at that point anyway. Uh, But statistically, if you start looking at it and in terms of the record since that six and one start, it's it's been a lot more down than up. And this season, and particularly this loss against the Jets, feels like kind of a low point. And I'm not just talking about of the dayball era. I'm kind of talking about of the last twelve years. Um, you know, we there were some really low points uh, during the Joe Judge Jason Garrett era. Um, but I'll tell you what never happened under them. They never had negative nine yards net passing in a game. So, you know, it just it just feels like one of those moments where just when you think the bottom can't fall out further and you can't fall below the
1: worst of Joe judge, it's like, Hey, the giants can figure out a way to do that. Yeah. I mean, just the, the, some of the stats, the passing stats are, I mean, the giants wide receivers in the game, three total targets, one catch negative one yard receiving. Uh, you didn't even gain one yard with your receivers, your wide receivers in the passing game in this one. It just screams of overthinking overcoaching. uh, you know, just, playing scared, playing not to lose all your points, Dan, that you made. Yeah. So these are, it's fair stuff. It did feel like a Joe judging and kind of, kind of game <laughs> where you just, you're just like, what mm-hmm. the hell was that? But uh, maybe that's a discredit to Joe judge. Cause he didn't like, To your point. He never did anything like that. Uh, so,
0: well, there was those back-to-back quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah,
1: <scenes>, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's, I've tried to block that out of my mind, but yeah, that, that did happen. Uh, all right. So, the good news is QB one's coming back. That's what it sounds like. Daniel Jones on the men sounds like he's ready to go. He says he's ready to go against the Raiders. We'll talk about that here coming up next and more, but first here's some week nine fantasy advice from the huddle.com. I'm Corey
2: Bonini of the huddle.com here to bring you fantasy football, strong plays for week nine quarterback Dak Prescott, Dallas Cowboys at Philadelphia Eagles. Coming off the bye, Prescott enjoyed the best game of his season, passing for 304 yards and four touchdowns. He threw just six TDs in the prior six games. He also lit up Philly last year for 347 yards and three touchdowns, and the Eagles just allowed Sam Howell to throw for nearly 400 yards and four scores of his own. There's plenty of potential versus a Philadelphia secondary that just hasn't been the same since Jonathan Gannon left to become Arizona's head coach. Running back Royce Freeman, Los Angeles Rams at Green Bay Packers. Freeman is on the upswing here, even with Daryl Henderson seeing the majority of reps over the last two games. Each has scored once on the ground in alternating contests, but Freeman has been much more efficient, and that could work in his favor to garner more touches this week. Green Bay has been trampled by running backs on the ground, and that's where Freeman could be a sly play in fantasy. However, he is a little bit of a risky play in any format, roll with Royce, only in the moment of desperation. Wide receiver Deontay Johnson, Pittsburgh Steelers vs. Tennessee Titans. Johnson caught 5 passes for 79 yards in his week 7 return, and he followed it up with 85 yards on 8 grabs last Sunday, both of which easily led the club. His touchdown drought has reached 21 games, but his high involvement since returning from IR gives him decent wide receiver 3 appeal. Tennessee has given up the 4th most PPR points per game to the position, and most of that is due to volume. Tight end Hunter Henry, New England Patriots vs. Washington Commanders. Henry's wasteland of a season continues on. He has not topped 9.1 PPR points or scored since week two, and the former Charger has no more than three targets in any game in the last month of play. All of that could change, since Washington has been abysmal versus the position. This matchup rates in the top eight for receptions and yardage per game, as well as ease of touchdowns in relation to catches allowed. If you need to cover a bye, the matchup is well worth the risk. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out (laughs) TheHuddle.com.
1: All right, we're back. The Giants heading to Las Vegas. Dan, you heading to Vegas? Going to go gamble a little bit? Cover the Giants? No, you didn't plan a trip for this. What are you doing, man? No, Come no, on. no, no. no, no. no. <laughs> Vegas is not your scene.
0: No, I've never. I've actually never been to Vegas. As a matter of fact.
1: Yeah, I know. You like to be in the woods. You get your hikes. I do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You're not trying to get in the bright lights of Vegas and throw the dice around, huh? No. Okay.
0: No, I'll go camping and fishing and hunting. That's what I'll do.
1: Yeah, you camp, fish, and hunt, and I'll throw the dice. That's kind of we're a little different in that regard. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, so the the Giants heading to Vegas, Giants fans uh, that are going, you'll have a blast. I I actually went, I'm a Patriots fan. I went to the Patriots Vegas game last year. Uh, It was really fun. I'm sure there will be just as many Giants fans than Raiders fans in the stadium. So there'll be moments where it feels like a Giants home game. It'll be really fun. So I hope everyone going to the game has a blast. Uh, The good news here for the Giants, Dan, is, well, number one, the Raiders are a complete dumpster fire. They just fired Josh McDaniels. And the general manager we'll talk about that here in a minute and in terms of who the interim coach is it's kind of interesting for the giants but um really good news for the giants is that daniel jones sounds like he's going to be returning to the lineup he says he's going to return you mentioned you you hit on that you know conspiracy theory earlier in the first segment the conspiracy theory is daniel jones might have been cleared before this game if you believe some reporting uh but he was already ruled out for the game so he'll be back this week good timing with tyrod getting hurt i guess but you mentioned earlier just tyron man the bad luck continues i mean they even the injury dan you didn't think that was his fault at all another injury that you don't think was tyron's fault
0: no, no i mean that was just it's just a fluky football play it's just it's unfortunate it always is unfortunate with tyron and i hate it for him i really do like i, I was disappointed in the entire game of course and the outcome of the game and how it ended and all that but you know, there was that additional black cloud that kind of hung over the whole thing of like, man, this just sucks for Tyrod. And it really does. Like, whether or not he was going to be the starter when Daniel Jones was healthy, and we obviously know that he wasn't, uh, it was a good opportunity for him to put good film on, on, on out there so that when the time comes that maybe he re-earns a starting role in the NFL, which you've heard me long say that I believe he he deserves. I do, I think he does deserve another shot. I think he's the best backup quarterback in the NFL, and and he's arguably better than some of the NFL's current starters. And to have him go down with what appears to be such a severe injury is just sort of heartbreaking for the guy. You don't have to be a Giants fan to feel for Tyrod. He's dealt with a lot of nonsense and a lot of issues that weren't necessarily his fault over the years, and it just feels like for whatever reason, once he starts getting momentum going, something fluky happens and and here we go it happened to him again and who knows how long he's going to be out but even when he returns as long as daniel jones stays healthy it's going to be back on the bench for him and that's really unfortunate that he didn't get to finish this chapter of his story and and truthfully just on a personal level i really hate that for him
1: yeah that's well said uh so dj coming back now i know devito was signed to the he was signed to the active roster. I know you could bring guys up. There's new rules with the practice squad, right? So is DeVito going to back up DJ in this game? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess. All right. So let's, let's just like, let's not learn our lesson. Uh, well, he had,
0: like, the, the problem there was, is like they signed Matt Barkley to the practice squad, which is sure. just a you know, quality backup. But uh, you know, he's only going to have three practices in, and um, he's obviously not going to get the first team reps. So the Giants kind of didn't have a choice to go with DeVito. The problem with DeVito was he's been elevated three times already this year, so his practice squad elevations were out. So the only op- option they had was to sign him to the 53-man roster and with Tyrod out, that essentially automatically makes him the backup quarterback.
1: Okay, so so there's that. Uh, so DJ coming back from this neck injury uh, going up against Max Crosby and company. So don't get hurt, DJ. <laughs> That's like <laughs> we yeah. don't a repeat. Uh, pressure's yeah, on. Yeah, pressure's yeah. on. But I think DJ needs to stay healthy for plenty of reasons. I mean, he's got to get back on the field. He's got to start playing football again. Uh, and this is a good spot for the Giants, I think. Like, you know, you get your quarterback back. The Raiders are a complete mess, especially on offense. Uh, like I mentioned, they don't have a true home field advantage. We'll, there'll be moments where it sounds like a Giants home game. McDaniels and the GM were both fired on Tuesday night. Dan, now the Giants' uh, former Giant Antonio Pierce is their interim coach. What do you think about that? What? I think that's a cruel prank. Is what that is. That's, that's horrible. Is.
0: I'm ha- listen. I'm happy that AP gets his chance to to show what he could do as a head coach. He's like, he's honestly one of the smartest, most high football IQ players that you you could possibly ever be around. Um, he's not going to have a lot of time to really game plan for this particular one, but I'm curious to see how he does down the stretch of this season. Uh, I hope for his sake that he does well enough that he gets a look as a head coach somewhere um, because I think he deserves it. He's obviously a Giants hero, a Super Bowl hero. He carved out a really nice place for himself in Giants history. He's loved by the fans. He's loved by his teammates. He's respected by the current generation of players. Um, I hate the fact that he's going to make his head coaching debut against the Giants um, in a game that might be tough for him to win. Uh, granted, the Giants are kind of their own version of a dumpster fire, so who, sure. who really knows how that will go. But I'll tell you what will happen is he's going to have his players completely amped up going into this game. Whether you know they're capable of winning it or not, they're certainly going to believe that they can. Um, so the Giants are not going to get like a walk in the park here. They're going to get... The tough version of antonio pierce on the sideline and his players will represent that
1: yeah i think that's this is an interesting one as a patriots fan i do i do respect antonio pierce i know he was a great player uh now i'm i don't i'm not i don't appreciate him helping the giants get into that super bowl because i think there was only one team in 2007 that could ruin that perfect season by the patriots and that was the giants they, that was the only team that had the balls to beat the patriots that year. So. How dare you, Antonio Pierce? I'm still very upset. Yeah,
0: and the Giants, day hey, the Giants don't get into that Super Bowl without AP, and they probably don't win it without AP either. So, what of
1: those? <laughs> no. Yeah, as a fan, you like as a Patriots fan, you still think about 2007. You just go, oh, you know, it just hits you again. It's like that one will never leave. That was just the one, the one flex that you could have had. Like that, your team could have been undefeated for the whole year. Screw you, 72 Dolphins and. Ah, uh, Antonio Pierce how dare you how dare you ruin that for me and, yeah, but anyway It's
0: going to be it's going to be weird to see him in Raiders colors coaching yeah. the, the opposite team so You'll look ugly uh, in those colors but, there's
1: no doubt about it yeah.
0: Actually I don't know you know those those bla- that black and, and silver might actually look pretty good on him <laughs> a- but
1: it's true and yeah. you know what that's yeah. a great opportunity for him because the Raiders facilities yeah. over there it's like just it's football heaven over there football paradise yeah, in Vegas so it's a great opportunity for him
0: I know that they've said that they're going to you know, start their coaching search as soon as possible, and it's going to be intensive. But I really do, for, for AP's sake, I, I really hope outside of this game that he does exceptionally well in that role and kind of forces the Raiders' hand to, to not just consider him, but to consider him seriously. And if they do pass him over, I want him to do well enough that other teams around the league look at him and go, hmm, you know what, this guy might be the guy because he deserves this opportunity. He 100% does, and, and I really do hope he finds success in his role.
1: Yep. We're rooting for Antonio Pierce in week 10 and beyond uh, yep. <laughs> but not this week. Uh, so you would think that this line, so the Raiders came in as favorites. I was already skeptical of that because the Raiders are just, like I said, they're a dumpster fire. They just played on Monday night football against the lions. The lions didn't even play a great game, but the Raiders just could not get out of their own way. Jimmy Garoppolo is just staring down the rush. Like he just cannot, he is just not right. Uh, He he couldn't even get the ball to Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers, never mind the Giants struggling to get the ball to their receivers, Dan. Jimmy Garoppolo got the ball to Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers that combined two times against the Lions. Two two catches for those two, and those guys are just reception hogs. They just soak up receptions, and uh, they they just couldn't get it done against the Lions. They looked horrible. It led to McDaniels getting fired a couple days later. So now short week coaching turmoil, you would think that the line, which was two and a half, would tank and the Giants would probably be favored on the road. Nope, they're still underdogs by one and a half. So I just I just think, especially with Jones getting back in the lineup for the Giants, I know Leonard Williams is gone and they're going to shuffle the deck a little bit on defense there. But Giants Raiders, it feels like the Giants are in a better spot to win a game than, than the Raiders are right now isn't it? So I, I'm taking these points all day long, but you sound, I can just hear it in your voice. Dan, you sound skeptical about this. How could you be skeptical about this, this game against the Raiders?
0: I Man, the giants are so bad right now. <laughs> like <laughs> I, the giants are just so bad right now. It's just, it's hard to imagine that in a game against someone like the Raiders with their head coach and GM fired an interim head coach, you know, some of their players pretty, pretty, public about not really wanting to be there at this point
1: uh the giants
0: yeah that the giants could be considered uh an underdog and you know there's a part of me that's like that almost feels like a slap in the face but then you remember what happened last week against the jets and you're like oh you know that that makes sense actually so you know i hate that the giants have hit rock bottom yet again basically the bottom of every single power rankings that are out there and it's just an absolute joke of of a team right now. A joke of an effort that you're seeing out there on special teams in particular. Not necessarily on the defensive side of the ball. Those boys are playing pretty well, but then you, like you said, you you, you factor in the loss of Leonard Williams, and what does that mean for the team that already can't stop the run? So there there are a lot of reasons why I think Vegas is kind of leaning in the direction of the Raiders in this game, and it's not really a testament to you know, how quote-unquote well the Raiders are playing, because that's certainly not the case. But it's really more about how absolutely horrific the Giants are offensively and on special teams. They cannot score points. Um, They can't pass. They're running; they can run, uh, but it's at a you know low clip per per rush, so that's not particularly impressive. Their wide receivers are the worst in football. Go figure. They didn't have a number one, and we were told that was a stupid argument. And now Darren Waller could potentially miss the game as well. So welcome back, Daniel Jones. Enjoy it. Have a good time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Some 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 good points there. What kind of game plan do you think the Raiders come out with with uh, Pierce at head coach? He's a defensive guy, Dan. Do you think they kind of? See that void in the middle of the Giants' defensive line, and say, "Let's just pound oh, it yeah. with Josh Jacobs." you think that's oh, going to be a yeah. run the football kind of game?
0: One hundred percent, run the football, control the clock, send the pressure against an, an offensive line that can't can't block, and and try to force errors on special teams. Which the Giants they don't need to be forced to create errors on special teams; they're just going to give them to you every single week. So that's what you know. That's got to be the approach. It's going to be um, a very simplified. Uh, scheme for for um, for the Raiders. I think he does it, AP doesn't have the opportunity this week to go in and change the offense or defense. They're just gonna have to run with what they've been doing. Uh, but I think he's gonna simplify that as much as possible. And like you said, and like I said, just run the ball, pound the rock up the middle, try to avoid Dexter Lawrence. You know, creating havoc. Don't allow Kayvon Thibodeau to take over the game from a pass rush perspective. And then on the other side of the ball, just take your chances. The Giants don't have wide receivers outside of Jalen Hyatt that really scare you. And if you don't give Daniel John's pressure, they can't get it to him anyway. So just send the house constantly and, and don't let Saquon beat you. That's it. So it's just, it's a pretty simple approach to this one.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure if the, uh, the total in this game has moved with the coaching change, but it was at 37 and a half.
0: That's not going to be that.
1: Yeah, it's, going to, be lower. <laughs> it's <laughs> yes. going to be lower. Yeah, so maybe bet the under. That might be the best bet here. It's going to be, I agree with you 100%, Dan. I think it's going to be a low-scoring kind of slog to struggling um, offenses. And I think, you know, you get these defensive-minded coaches in there. They're going to want to play defense and and run the football. That's what I would expect from Pierce. And, yeah, I I think the Raiders can, can win a game that way. They can be tough to beat in that regard because their defense, I think, is a little underrated. Uh, They had their moments against the Lions even in that game. They held them to some field goals early. It's just the ineptitude of the Raiders' offense. And Jimmy Garoppolo, who Devontae Adams was basically... I I saw the meme. He was calling him a little bitch on the sidelines. So I thought that was kind of funny uh, from Devontae Adams. So there's definitely some some issues there going on with the Raiders on offense. Defensive, low-scoring slog. I think the under is a great bet, uh, even at that low number. Uh, I still think the Giants can pull this one out, Dan. I just... uh, I think... The Raiders' dumpster fire is burning brighter than, than the Giants right now. But what's your pick? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the points, but what's your pick?
0: Well, yeah, I think that that's easy because it's going to be like one of those 13 10, 14 10 kind of games. You know, maybe on the higher end, like a 17 to 13 kind of game, it's not going to be anything beyond that. These teams can't score. Um, I, I just think the Giants are incapable of stopping the run even more. So now that Leonard Williams is gone and that's going to be obviously what the Raiders have to depend on in this game. Uh, I am curious to see how, um, Deontay banks bounces back. You know, he kind of went into this game talking about how he was going to shut Garrett Wilson down and that obviously did not happen. Yeah, uh, was one of the few weak points on the, on the defensive side of the ball that along with Odori Jackson, who had an absolutely horrific game against the jets. Um, but I just don't see a scenario without Darren Waller. and especially if Andrew Thomas doesn't make it back. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. Don't know if he's going to make it back or not. Don't know if Evan Neal is going to make it back or not. Um, you know, they have they've obviously got a lot of a lot of issues on offense, but even more than that, they're just so prone to making horrific special teams mistakes at this point that, Uh, that's becoming extremely difficult to overcome, especially when you have an offense that can't score or move the ball. So, you know, the points are an easy one as far as the pick itself. I just have no confidence in the Giants whatsoever right now. I don't really necessarily have confidence in the Raiders, but I do think that Antonio Pierce is going to inject them with a whole whole lot of energy and fire that the Giants just aren't going to match, and that's what's going to do them in. So I actually have the Raiders winning on Sunday.
1: There it is. So even the Giants, you know, I, I, let's put it this way, Dan. I'm glad we didn't do path. We, we resisted the urge to do the playoff path talk last week. We resisted yeah. the urge, thank God, because now we're at the point where Antonio Pierce is going to lead the Raiders to a victory over the Giants. So I'm just glad we didn't do that. I'm, I'm glad we we showed good restraint last week coming off the the yeah. win, you know.
0: What What is that going to say about where the Giants are, though, when this week comes and goes and if they lose this game? It's, if, if people think it's ugly right now after what happened against the Jets, it doesn't matter how this game plays out. If they lose, it's going to get real loud.
1: Yes. Yep. Yep. You think you feel like a punching bag now being a Giants fan. Imagine mm-hmm. if you lose to this Raiders team after they just fired their coach and their GM and they're coming off a short week on a Monday night. Uh, yeah. No, this is a spot the Giants should be able to win, but I do uh, – I hear you, Dan. I hear you. I, your, your concerns are real. Your concerns are very real, and uh, we'll have to watch the injury reports as well to see who the Giants even have in the lineup, including Daniel Jones, although it sounds like he's going to be back. Uh, injury reports and such going up on Giants Wire leading up to kickoff. Dan, what should people be looking for?
0: Uh, I think I think the big story, obviously, is going to be the injuries. Do they get Andrew Thomas back? Do they get Evan Neal back? Um you know, Darren Waller says this new hamstring injury is separate from his previous hamstring injury. So now he's got oh, oh, two God. two legs with hamstring injuries, so it's probably safe to assume that he's not going to play. Screw you and your um, hamstrings
1: there, Darren. Oh God, I'm so sick of his, <laughs> I'm so sick of his hamstrings.
0: Yeah, it's rough. It is rough. And uh, that 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 stinks, but he's at least transparent about it. He's not trying to lie about it. So I respect mm-hmm. him for that. And, you know, let's see how John Michael Smiths comes back after, you know, his first game back is how, how is his shoulder feeling? Let's see if he practices today. Uh, But yeah, I think injuries are going to be the big story throughout this week. And um, obviously all eyes are going to be on Daniel Jones and, and the fear that, you know, maybe he suffers a setback. I can't envision that happening if he's cleared, but that was a pretty scary injury that he had, Uh, you know, losing all the strength in his left arm for a short period of time. It's not his throwing arm, but that tells you the severity of the injury that he had. So We'll see if he can make it through three full practices without suffering a setback. So, yeah, it's going to be kind of like an injury-focused three days of the rest of this week.
1: Yep, you can't uh, – you can say all you want about Daniel Jones. The dude is tough. He's going to get back out there, and he's going to give it – it sounds like he's going to give it a go. And you're right, like probably could have been shut down for the year uh, with this injury, Dan, right? That would have not been – nobody would have blinked an eye at him, but this is Daniel Jones. Well, he's going to get back out yeah. there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, especially with the way the season is going, too, you know, and maybe maybe he doesn't come back this week if Tyrod doesn't get hurt. And, you know, that's another injury we're going to have to keep an eye on, like how severely injured it is, is Tyrod. It sounds like it's, you know, pretty bad. So does he end up on IR? You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him, too. Uh, so, yeah, it's just it's an unfortunate injury situation for the Giants. And some players that are, are hurt are going to be forced to play hurt, uh, one, because there's just no other personnel and two because they don't really have the salary cap to to kind of fix that problem now and uh with no more renegotiating contracts now that the deadline has come and gone the Giants are kind of handcuffed in the personnel department so players that maybe wouldn't otherwise play for a two and six team are now going to be forced to play for a two and six team
1: yep lots of news to break here in the coming days leading up to kickoff Giants Wires got you covered uh for Dan Benton I'm Ryan O'Leary Thanks for joining us as always. Again, subscribe if you haven't. Tell a friend or family member if you could. And Dan and I will be back next week to cover Giants Raiders. Looking forward to that. Catch you then. <laughs>